Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet. Are you paying for your me time with just any credit card in your wallet? While you shouldn't stop treating yourself, you should start paying with a credit card that has perks. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending. Some even offering 10 times points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? A free flight? Room upgrades? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Hi, Brian. Hi, Katie. And hello, listeners everywhere. By the time you hear this, Brian and I will probably be off with our own families celebrating Thanksgiving, but we also suspect you might need a little escape from the family drama, the big knockdown dragout fights, <laughs> and political conversations you might be having, not to mention the extra dry turkey Thanksgiving tends to bring. So this week, we're revisiting one of our favorite episodes of Podcast Past. And this guest always serves a very moist turkey. Last year, Katie and I met with the inimitable Martha Stewart at the headquarters of her empire, Martha Stewart Living Omnimedia. The offices take up an entire city block, appropriately so, in the Chelsea neighborhood of Manhattan, right along the Hudson River. And they definitely passed the white glove test. They were beautiful and, of course, very clean. Martha, no surprise here, is not particularly messy. <laughs> we would never get along. We would be Oscar and Felix. And we walked around the joint afterwards, and I have to tell you, the place is stocked. It's it's pretty amazing. Color-coded design books, test kitchens, plural, a million different props for photo shoots. As Martha might say, Brian, it's a good thing. Anyway, for <laughs> yes. more than 35 years, Martha Stewart has dominated all things domestic. She's lent her good taste and name to everything from TV shows, cookbooks, to bath towels, meal kits, magazines, and so much more. She's like a cottage industry, and I think she's made elegance accessible to the average person. And in our conversation, we wanted to get a better sense of the woman behind the empire, how she stays so productive, what motivates her, and the ups and downs in her life and career. When we interviewed her, she was just putting out a slow cooker cookbook. It was her 89th cookbook, <laughs> if you could believe that. And by the way, I'm still planning to purchase a slow cooker. I just looked at her cookbook the other day, Brian. It's sitting on my kitchen counter, and I was like, you know what? 
I need to try some of these. You've got to do it. Slow cookers are awesome. You prep everything in the morning, and by dinner time, you've got a wonderful meal. I'm going to make it happen. She also was just starting her new TV show with Snoop Dogg called Potluck Dinner Party. Get the double entendre there, folks. Potluck. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> I guess the show really has brought in the green because it's just oh, wrapped oh, its second this is season. Now just Hold on, getting Brian. Pathetic. Anyway, uh, yeah, we've really, we've really gone off the rails here. Anyway, let's get to our conversation with Martha Stewart, and you might want to have a plate of leftovers at the ready because this podcast is going to make you very hungry, and not just because of Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Before we go all the way back, I think a lot of people remember that moment in 1999 when Martha Stewart Living, Omnimedia Media, went public yep. and you served homemade brioche at the New York we Stock did. Exchange. <laughs> and, <laughs> Tell uh, us a little bit about the journey of the company since then to the point that you're sort of selling it now. You're no longer well, listed. Well, it was a, um, that was the, probably one of the most exciting days in my life, except for the day that my daughter Alexis was born. Uh, and maybe the day I got married, and then two days that my grandchildren were born, uh, and maybe my cats and my dogs. But um, <laughs> it's the sixteenth most exciting day of your life. <laughs> but I have a lot of pet, I have a lot of pets, so this was a very exciting day going public because I had worked really hard to build a superb company, Martha Stewart Living Omnimedia, and it was kind of a cutting edge company, and this was a company that actually took into consideration the internet, the uh, television, the printed word, the media, as well as merchandising. So it was really, truly Omnimedia. And we still are. We're still Omnimedia. I love I love the idea of being Omnimedia. And we uh, took ourselves away from um, publishing the magazine with Time uh, Inc. Uh, we started publishing on our own. Uh, and that day, um, we went public at a, a share of, I think it was $18 a share, uh, which went up to about thirty-two dollars. I was a multi-billionaire at the at that day. It was so it's a good day. And I were drove you up, like where in the money? <laughs> I drove up Madison Avenue after after the long day, and I said, I said, God, I can buy pretty much anything. Did you? <laughs> no, I was so stupid. I should have I should have spent it all then because everything was much cheaper then than it is now. If and, you could go back and to I that day, what would much, you have bought? Well, I should have bought, could have, should have, would have, could have. That's a whole chapter in my autobiography, which I am penning right now. Ooh. Oh, so is Katie. And, uh, <laughs> you are making one too. I oh, am. Good. I'm oh, good. We're gonna. I'm not gonna get, tell you anything else then, because you'll, <laughs> you'll copy me. <laughs> Forget right it. Right back no at more. you, sister. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that should have, would have, could have is. A, I'm sure it's a big chapter in your life too, and it's uh, one of those things that happens to everybody. I mean, you. I remember every single antique that I didn't buy at every single auction I went to from the time I was married in 1961. Can you imagine? And it seemed too expensive at the time. No, it just seemed, oh, I can't afford it, or maybe it won't fit. And I should have bought everything. 
<laughs> I should have been the biggest consumer, but I am a very frugal person. And Me I still too. Am. We have that in common. Are you still? Oh my God, still. I know. It's, and my daughter. Katie's my more da- frugal than you are. And my <laughs> daughter, Alexis. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. She points out all the time, why don't you have your own airplane, mom? Why don't you have your own yacht in the river? And, you know, she she knows I could have had pretty much anything. I still, I actually. I You've probably, done pretty well in the real yes. estate department, <laughs> and I, I should probably say. probably still do some of those things, but I'm not an extravagant liver. I live simply, personally, uh, although I do have, you know, I live on a farm of 150 say, you have some acres. Nice houses, Mark. <laughs> I know, but it's simple. Yeah, I don't know. I, I looked at your blog the last few days preparing for this interview. <laughs> and I thought, who lives like this? Maybe the Queen of England. Oh, no, no. No, no. I think the Queen of England no. and Martha. No, it's unbelievable. I'm not faulting you. I don't have a butler. The you Queen have has a lot many of butlers. staff. <laughs> Anyway. Well, I think the thing about Martha is that, you know, I've always thought that you have made elegance accessible. And I think you predated sort of this whole notion of nesting and of making beautiful things and making a house a home and all that. Not what what made you realize that there was an appetite for that in this country? Well, I was brought up by a mother who really took the art of homemaking to the next level. She made everything. She sewed our clothes. She canned the tomatoes. She made a delicious meal three times a day for eight people. My mom was a, you know, she was a very good example to me of uh, wanting to elevate a simple life into a good, really good life, healthy life. And we were simple. I mean, we I lived in a in a three-bedroom house on Elm Place in, in Mutley, New, New Jersey, Jersey, which I go back to see sometimes. Yeah. So people almost had a heart attack when I knocked on the door the last time. <laughs> and uh, Did you bring them some cookies uh, at least? No, I just went to say, I said, I, you know, I used to live here. They said, we know you used to live here. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and could I please see my old bedroom, which I Aww. shared with my sister, Kathy. And I would put Kathy on the right-hand side of the bed, which had the nightlight where I could read. I would make her go to sleep on that side to warm the bed because we didn't keep the, we kept the house pretty cold, you know, saving fuel, all that stuff. Um, and so then I would drag her to her side of the bed. <laughs> Martha thing. was in charge even then. Poor Kathy. Six years younger. She's, she has not forgiven me, believe me. And I think a lot of people imagine you're like this major wasp. And the oh, truth I know. is. No, I'm, I'm a daughter of two Polish-American people. They were born here, but my grandparents, all four grandparents were born in Poland and they came to the United States on ships. And, you know, they, I could see the island where they landed right here in New York Harbor and they uh, signed in and two went to Buffalo, New York. My grandfather was a trained, uh, and my grandfather Roskowski, my mother's father, was a trained iron uh, monger, uh, decorative iron work. And, uh, and my other, my father's family all moved to Jersey City. I think about you because I know how close you were to your mom. Oh yes, like yes. Unbel- big Martha, unbelievably close. Yeah. And and uh, did she ever come on the Today Show with me? You know, I, I don't think, know. I I feel like I she might up. have, but I I feel like I've met her definitely, yeah. and I know you always spoke of her, and oh, it yeah. was uh, really well, she sweet. She was a really great mother, uh, and one of those mothers who had six kids, and every child was equal. 
no matter what, no matter what the we, bad things we did, we were all equal. Sounds and like that, my parents. And that was until the day she died. We were all equal. We were all around her bed when she died. And she died at 94 and almost 94 years old. So she's she had a great life, never sick. She just finally, you know, decided it was time. How many years ago was that? Uh, that was about, I, I, don't, I don't remember things like years, um, which is a good thing. Yeah. Do you remember things like years? <laughs> well, I remember. Do you remember my mom dates? died. I do. Oh, My do? mom died three years ago on oh, Labor she Day. Everything it's My, and 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 so I remember and, everything, but not dates. <laughs> I just I, I think about my mom so much, and I miss her so much. So I wondered if you felt the yeah, same well, way. Oh, I miss my mother a lot, and I, I wonder I wonder you know what would mother think about this or that. Um, I, and think I, about when calling I, her like And I when do. I'm making a delicious meal, she would come over on Sundays, um, pretty much every Sunday from from Weston, Connecticut, where she lived with my sister, Laura. She would drive herself. And then when she got and past 90, I used to send somebody to pick her up. Um, and she would come to my house and eat the healthiest, delicious lunch. She had a great appetite. Uh, she'd take a walk with me. Then we'd, she'd have a massage. I always got my masseur over for mom. Uh-huh. And, uh, and we'd go to a movie. And she'd have a fabulous day. And, uh, but she was a, I, what I really loved about her was that egalitarian uh, attitude towards all of her children. And, so even uh, though her daughter was rich and famous, the other five kids were just were as rich important and, famous and just as su- successful oh, in yeah. her eyes. Yeah. So it occurred to me as we were preparing for this that, you know, you were a model early in your career. You yes. were a stockbroker for several years. And you didn't really become, quote, Martha Stewart until you were in your 40s. Oh, yeah, I was a late bloomer. Which is like Julia Child. <laughs> Actually, that's who it reminded me of. Yeah, I was a late bloomer and my gynecologist... Uh, even called me. Wait a second. No, no, no. He even called me a late bloomer. He said, "Oh, in what context?" And, 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 just said that I was a oh. late bloomer in terms of my in terms of my uh, business life. Ah. And isn't that funny it's a, that your doctor would call you a late bloomer? I thought it was great. It's like like a, like a, my gardener calling me a late bloomer. <laughs> so um, so when your like, first book came out, well, I, well I, Martha didn't really answer the earlier question though, which is. How did you know that this was a really potentially huge market for what you okay. were selling? Well, after being a stockbroker and and working with people's money, I then retired uh, to Westport, and I did was sort of looking around for what you were to doing do. a catering business. Well, then right? I started a catering business with a friend called Norma Collier. And she was a famous model at the time, and she wanted to have a business too. So we started this catering business, uh, dealing with people's appetites, other than their and I, not their pocketbooks really, but the same thing. And they were very similar. I mean, people could be real nasty or real nice, uh, money or appetite. And then Norma had to retire early because she, it was way too hard the work. And I liked the physical labor. I liked the building a restaurant every night and then breaking it down and cleaning the cars. I mean, believe me, I'm a glutton for punishment. You're a worker bee. I am. I am a worker bee. I was just brought up like that. But um, I realized that the art of homemaking really and truly had not been celebrated in an appropriate way. And I thought of my mother all the time. Here's this fabulous woman who was also a very hard worker, but she hadn't been celebrated as a homemaker. And uh, to be able to raise the kids, on, they were making, when my, when my mother wasn't teaching, my father was working, they were living on a salary of about 11000 a year. 
And this is a long time ago, but still, that's very little money to manage. That's why the garden was Six so big. Kids. Yeah, that's why the garden was so big. That's why the clothing was made by hand. The sewing machine was always busy. Mom didn't get very many hours of sleep. You know, the whole thing. And we were not poor. We did not consider ourselves poor in any way. So when did you realize that this thing you were doing, the homemaking and cooking and sewing and gardening could become a business empire. Well, I started writing books in 1982, and I'm, I'm sure you have my entertaining book, Katie, I do. Because I probably gave and it I to And I actually you. still remember the pretty picture of you on the cover. Your hair was long, yeah. and I think it was maybe in a half updo uh, or something. And I and, had a white and, dress and I rem- on. Yes, and I remember your basket weave. Um, frosting. Cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't yeah. that in there? Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I think I, I read that before I, I got started married. To, <laughs> I started to write books because I started, I started to realize that my friends were just like me. We all needed some encouragement to entertain better. We needed better recipes that could be done that weren't too complicated. And there were no, at that time, 1982, very few illustrated cookbooks. And I, you know, I considered myself. That sounds a, crazy. Yeah, I know. I, but I considered myself kind of a really good cook at the time, and so I wrote this book, entertaining. And um, my publisher, I remember saying, "If you sell ten thousand copies, you should be happy." I said, "I know twenty five thousand people who will buy this book because I had been catering for a while, and I had all Sotheby's clients. I had uh, the museums in New York hired my me for my services. I did parties at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. How many I, copies did it sell? Oh, it's uh, it's way way over a million copies. So um, I I don't know the latest. I yeah. I, I should I should know the exact number, but um, <laughs> You don't wake up in the morning and say, let's look and see I'm how sure many it's, copies. I'm sure, I'm sure it's way over a million Because, by copies. the way, that was for the first of, what, over 100 cookbooks? Well, we're up to, we're up to 90 now. Wow. And uh, we just published here. This is their— I know. That's you've got our, a new one called Slow Cooker. That's our been- 89th. And then the newlywed cookbook's coming out very shortly, and that will be our 90th. And then Martha's Flowers comes out in February. Oh, I'm which excited is, about yeah, that. Yeah. So does that teach you how to arrange flowers? How to grow and arrange. It's growing, enjoying, and arranging flowers. I love flowers. flowers. What's like, your favorite flower? I like fragrant flowers. I like lilacs. Oh, I love lilacs. I like tulips. I like roses. Don't you I like, like peonies. I love peonies. You know, I, so. I love peonies, but I feel like they become everybody's favorite flowers, so that makes oh. me not like them no, as much. No, but don't, don't feel like that. <laughs> now you know what I'm into, Martha? Well, obviously hydrangeas. I don't know. My hydrangeas were on steroids. <gasps> I know. They this needed a bikini was, wax no, but, this year. <laughs> This was the best the year for hydrangeas, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Like apples, like apple it trees. It was crazy. Oh, but so I'm really incredible. into dahlias right now. Oh, dahlias are fabulous. They're so pretty. And, they're uh, so gigantic. I like dahlias yeah. and zinnias. I think yeah, they're yeah. together. Yeah, they're pretty. pretty. Yeah, they're pretty. Yeah. Oh, Brian. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I know, I know. Yes, I, every now and then I can surprise you. Can I ask you, though, you're so incredibly productive, all these books and TV shows and magazines, and I read you only need four to five hours of sleep per night. Can you walk us through a typical Martha day? I mean, what what did you do today, for example? No, today's today's like New York, so that's not so interesting. Yesterday was a good day. Okay. Okay. So yesterday, I I have I don't have live in help, but I do require that my housekeeper or keepers sometimes I have two come in at seven, so I can't be in bed if my housekeeper comes. 
I just don't do that. So I get, I'm up before they're up and I take um, the covers off the bird cages and uh, I have um, red factor canaries in my house. They're beautiful and they're singing. And then I have three cats and five dogs. Is this in Bedford? Yeah, Bedford. Yeah. And uh, where I live most of the time, I, commu- uh-huh. I commute to New York. I read somewhere you have four drivers. Well, yeah, but not all at the same time. No, no, I know. But, but I, my days are so my days are, are yeah. so long, and you can uh-huh. only they can only work can't forty hours a week, yeah. and they can't be tired. So yeah. uh, that's why. All right, but um, but it's, <laughs> Brian's just jealous. But I'm totally it's, jealous. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we've we've taken so, care of the birds. So, yeah, what so else? then um, and so <laughs> then I I make breakfast for everybody. So I make eggs. the cappuccinos for everybody. Because the eggs come from your chickens, right? Yes. Yes, you have many oh, chickens. Oh, no, we had salmon for breakfast. Oh. Because some, a friend had sent me two beautiful big salmons, uh, line-caught salmons from Alaska last week, and I had to eat them. So I poached salmon. I'm, I'm, doing, I, I'm doing a little blog on that, on how to poach a salmon. And it's, oh, it's some pretty pictures. And so I photographed the, the blog. And Did I, you make like um, a remoulade with the salmon? No, or? no, I'm just, we just eat it with lemon juice. There's, oh, it's so it's tasty. Healthy, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, No, like very, yogurt, cucumber, sauce, No, nothing, or nothing dill. for breakfast. That's, this is breakfast. Oh, sorry. And then for lunch. Uh, <laughs> lunch and so my then, bad. So then after that, I and my green juice. We have green juice every morning. Everybody drinks green juice because it's like power. So what do you put in your green so juice? So it's spinach, celery, parsley, mint, maybe a piece of fruit of some sort, like a pear, a green pear is good, um, a piece of melon or a piece of papaya or a mango, whatever. Uh, it's very good juice. Everybody Sounds wants delicious, the juice. Sounds delicious, actually. Okay, so, through so we drink that. Yeah. Then I went on a horseback ride. And that was at 10 o'clock. I was ready for the horseback ride after doing, you know, getting, make sure everybody's doing stuff. And you have lots of horses. And I have six horses. But Bedford has a has a uh, series of uh, bridal trails about 300 miles. Wow! So you can get lost. You can have a good time. You can Doesn't go through. Ralph Lauren live up there too? Yeah, he lives next door to me. Oh, were you like, hey Ralph, hey yeah. Martha, hi Ralph? Um, <laughs> As is, you're dri- riding by, I'm, your I'm horse. the I'm the farmette to Ralph's estate. I'm the farmette. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yes. Wow. Very wow. modest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, mod- the modest farm next to Ralph. Yeah, with the six and, horses. No, we have okay. a very nice neighborhood. And then, oh, I should have told you. Then, then on, I'll tell you about Friday night afterward. But and then I came back from the horseback ride. I made the lunch. So I sautéed some onions from the garden, fresh onions, and some red and yellow peppers, and I made a frittata. A delicious frittata studded with little dots of cream cheese, which I like in a frittata. I don't know why, but I just like it. And I, we had little cheese puffs that were left over from Friday night's supper. And that was, and a salad of dark red and green lettuce. Then we made 50 gallons of apple cider. Oh, would you bring some of that apple cider over here? 50 yeah. gallons of this. Wow. wow. And you know how hard it is to crush <laughs> the apples? It's delicious. I went apple picking. I'll just take one take, sip. Take a sip. It's so good. Oh, that's really good. What apple kind of cider. apples uh, mm. did you use? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> On my property, we must have fifty varieties of apples. This is that really is so good. delicious. Good? That's wonderful. So delicious. It's the best apple cider I've ever had. No, we I, we, we compare it to other it's ciders. It's amazing. I think it's really what good. What makes it so good? Just the variety of apples. I think. Um, so we did that, and while they were doing that, I shucked and scraped the corn off about maybe 60 ears of corn. And I I sauteed all the kernels and a little bit of butter with some some, um, water. And then I froze, I think I froze 10 quarts of corn kernels. Wow. 
And then I made a great uh, pot of, uh, from again, there's so many tomatoes. I made a great pot of tomato soup, just tomatoes and onions, threw them all in this giant pot and cooked and cooked and cooked until and then, then I put it through the food mill. Oh, no, through food the mill. food mill. Yeah, so you get all the seeds and skins yeah. out. Yeah. I think we made eight quarts of tomato soup. And this is then, your relaxing Sunday. This is, Sunday. This, but, but, a, this is a Netflix went, and chill. Oh, then I went. Oh, my friend called Memory. My friend Memory called and said, you have to go see this garden. It's on the open days in Greenwich. Open days is the Garden Conservancy, mm-hmm. uh, which is a very fantastic organization I belong to. That And people who belong open their gardens to other gardeners. So I went to see Mr. Landman's garden in Greenwich which is incredible, 15-acre garden, made me sick because because uh, if I feel <laughs> you jealous- You mean you were happy for him? <laughs> no, when, no when, I, when I get jealous, uh, the only time I'm ever jealous is, it's not envy, it's just jealous. Anyway, his garden is so beautiful. Then I went to see my friend Memory, who was lying in bed because she had a cut on her leg, who knows. And then I, <laughs> I left there, I got in a bad mood because she was in bed. And then I went home and I went, we searched for my missing peacocks. We're always missing two peacocks. They were out eating with the, um, <laughs> this is a busy day. It, it is, is a busy a day, it sounds it's fun though. Yeah, it is fun. The peacocks are hanging out with the wild turkeys now. There's a gang of five wild male turkeys and my two male peacocks that I allow out of their enclosure uh, they have kind of be- befriended the wild turkeys. Uh, I have pictures. Is there any them. nookie going on between no, the no, peacocks? No, no, the males. The peacocks oh, are oh sorry. Oh, sorry. It could be gay peacocks. A band of boys. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, see, we could talk forever. I mean, you yeah. don't know. These are so silly. I hope this is not boring to you. No, it's audience. not boring. It's actually no, fun. But clearly cover. you love you love. I went to get the productive. massage. I went you to get the Chinese reflexology in Mount Pisco. I'm glad Pisco. you did something where you weren't I did being productive. That. Then I went home and I did a little bit more cooking, but I had a column due this morning, so I had to work on my column on the restoration of furniture. So I had to write that. And that's that was my day. See, that's a Sunday. It's time to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to talk to Martha about those five months she spent in the slammer. It's something she has rarely talked about. And we're going to get the scoop on her time spent working with Donald Trump. That's right after this. These days, if we want to know something, we ask Alexa or Siri. But we don't always think about just how much AI is shaped by existing information and the limitations of the people who build it. On this week's episode of the Lean In Podcast, Tilted, they talk to experts from MIT and Cornell to understand how AI leads to unfair decision-making and contributes to bias and what we can do about it. You won't want to miss it. Tilted features intimate conversations with some of the world's most powerful women in Hollywood and politics, sports, and business. It's hosted by Lean In co-founder and president Rachel Thomas. And every week, they explore the gender bias that lurks in unexpected places and the impact it has on our everyday lives. Listen and subscribe to Tilted from Lean In on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now back to our conversation with the one and only Martha Stewart. After your release from prison, you did Martha Stewart, The Apprentice, or The Apprentice, Martha Stewart. Yeah, in this office, it was right here in this office. We built their bedrooms here, their kitchens. The whole thing was the most monstrous production you have ever seen. And Donald Trump was the executive producer of it. Well, yes, one with Mark Burnett. And Mark Burnett promised me when I agreed to do it that I 
would fire Donald at the end of my show. That Donald You were gonna replace him? Yes. And Donald did not want to be replaced by the time. And, and of course, had that happened, he might show. not have been president. I know. He maligned my show so badly. Yeah, he was nasty, oh, wasn't he? Well, no, I, who knows why? He wanted, to, he wanted to stay on TV. He had, he had, you know, he drank the Kool-Aid. And he loved it so much. My show did really well in Europe, and it did really well in uh, Japan. But, um, but the ratings in America were not as good as Donald's ratings. But I wasn't as outrageous as Donald either. I think people liked outrage and um as you know after this whole year um and so so but he but we we remained uh on a semi-cordial and what did you learn about him from working with him uh well he had very little to do with my show what did you learn about him from what he said about you around the show Um, i was not happy and uh, my daughter he said nasty things about my daughter and she was on the radio at the time he was and she was on the apprentice for a little bit and uh, I would, did not like that, I and mean, none of us did. And it was not nice. I would never say anything untoward of his about his children. You don't talk about people's children, but he does. How do you think he's doing as president? Do we have to really get there? <laughs> um, I was not. I was not. Uh, I'm not happy uh, at the state of things at all. You were a big Hillary Clinton supporter. I was a supporter. And I saw her in East Hampton. She was walking on Lily Pond Lane the other day. Really? Yeah, and, and I was walking my dogs, and she I bumped in. I, I, I saw the, the black vans first, and I thought, oh, God, who's coming? And it was Hillary. <laughs> was she and, alone? Uh, no, she was with a, a friend, Liz Robbins. Oh. And uh, we talked for quite a while, standing there in the middle of the street, and, uh, and she looked well, and she told me her book was just about to be released. It was right. I guess it was a week before her book came out, and um, so I haven't read it yet. But um, but she has to speak out. She has to say what she said, and uh, and you know it's uh, it's too bad. She's really damned if she does, damned if she oh, doesn't. Yes. I mean, I, I've been, I've been, I guess not surprised, but it still, I'm always taken aback at the vitriol and hatred that is directed at her. I think people still are not comfortable not all not all people but many people are still uncomfortable with the notion of a woman in power very much so i'm and, sure you've dealt with that oh of course but um but i'm strong enough to sort of brush it off and, and when you're running for president it's pretty hard just to brush it off although i probably would have behaved a lot differently than hillary did on those debate stages what would you have done told him to get lost I mean, she is, he was calling her names, and she wasn't calling him names. Call him some names. Really? I don't know. Do, do, you can't, her decorum did not. She didn't. I don't think people have to be so decorous to ugly people. What's the uh, What's the old line about? You get into a mud pit with a pig, and the pig's going <laughs> to win. <laughs> Let me ask you the one thing. Uh, many questions we had, Martha, is, and I I don't think you've talked about it that much. Is you know, I look at you and everything you've accomplished, and then you had this moment in your life when you were in prison. And I imagine in my mind's eye what I call that it was. Yale. I went to <laughs> Yale for five months. <laughs> I read a lot. I learned a lot. And what was that like for you? I mean, was that sort of like it was horrifying? It was horrifying, and no one, no one should have to go through that kind of indignity. 
really, except for murderers and, and, you know, there are a few other categories, but no one should have to go through that. It's a very, very awful thing. Having said and, that, I mean, was it a growth experience in any way? I know that you what, reached what, out to a lot that, of the other uh, women. That, and, I mean, it can make lemons out of lemonade and what, what, um, what hurts you makes you stronger. No, none of those adages fit at all. It's a horrible experience. Nothing is good about it. Nothing. What and was so what learn, was so horrible you, about it? Oh, being taken away from your family, uh, being maligned, being treated the way you were treated. It's horrible. Um, and uh, especially when one does not feel one deserves such a thing. I mean, I was not a bad person. Well, I think a lot of people were under the misconception that you were convicted of insider trading. You were, you were not. I wasn't even accused of insider trading. But I don't want to get into that either. I mean, it's just like, like and one thing I do not ever want is to be um, identified, or, or, or I don't want that to be the, the, the major thing of my life. It's just not, it's just not fair. But, um, but it's not a good experience, and it doesn't make you stronger. I was a strong person to start with, and thank heavens I was. And I can still hold my head up high and know that I'm fine. Did you get to know any of your fellow inmates, and what oh, was that I did. like? Oh, and I did. I know I, you helped them with certain things, and, well, I've and tried. did you become friendly with them? Um, no, I not really friendly. I wouldn't say that as much as I try. I've tried to help uh, certain of them. Um, I there are. Uh, lots and lots of odd stories and disturbing things that go on in a in a incarceration like that. Even a minimum security facility. Uh, well, you couldn't walk. You know, minimum security you still couldn't walk out the gate. Mm-hmm. You know, or across the river. Um, it was. Um, there's still guards, and there's still it's still nasty, and it's still. But but that's that's. America has so many people in prison. You go to Finland, and there's about, I think there's like 100 people in prison in Finland or some tiny number. Uh, they don't believe in, in that kind of uh, incarceration. Uh, and I don't think we should have the numbers of people in prison. And the, most of the women that were in this, in, in this institution were there because of the New York state drug laws. And now we have legalized marijuana in seven states, I think it is. Uh, that's... Incredible, and those and people who had a few ounces of marijuana on them and are in there for twenty years—it just doesn't make sense. Do some of those people get to be released as as a result? I know that they there hope. was There's a big movement yeah, with but, with President Obama to change sort of minimum uh, mandatory. Not, much, not and, much was done. Uh, not not enough was done. So, on a happier note, you've had this friendship with Snoop Dogg that I think has uh, surprised and delighted some of your some of your fans. More, just surprised others of your oh, no, fans. People people seem to really like our potluck dinner party. Uh, which <laughs> no really double entendre is. there, right? Yeah. No, there. Of course, there's a double entendre. I was being sarcastic, yes. Martha. <laughs> that was my name. I came up with that name. You did. I did. Very That's good. My name. Uh-huh. How I did had, you two get to know each other? The green. We had the green meal. We had all kinds of stuff. Uh, funny names. Uh, well, he was on my show a couple times, and he was always just a pleasant guest. Yeah. And fun. 
and made people, and, and the response was always good. Did you get a contact high from the green room oh, after he came? Oh, not in New York. He didn't, uh, he didn't partake in any, anything. He was on my, my show once, and did, honestly, I opened the door, and it oh. was like one of those cartoons where the smoke just billowed out. <laughs> no, I, think, I, think, I, I, don't, I think that's probably why he doesn't come to New York very much. Because he's not free to just. That's true. This was in California. Yeah. Oh no, California. Oh, and then um, and then you go to then um, we did the Justin Bieber roast together, and that was the that which was, is hilarious yes, for anybody who hasn't it was, seen it. My it God. was hilarious, and there I did get a contact high, sitting next to him for four hours on Literally, the stage. Literally, you got a contact. High? Oh, you couldn't help it. I mean, he had these. You know, he was smoking for four hours. <laughs> That's right next impressive. to me. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, so, are you uh, so having funny. fun doing the show with him? Yeah, it really is fun, and it's—I um, call it a melding of cultures. I mean, here's uh, Compton and Nutley. I mean, probably not so. <laughs> probably not so different way down under. I met his mother. He brought his mother to the show. She's a lovely lady, um, very intelligent, very well spoken. Uh, he had other family members there. I mean, it's it's kind of an interesting situation. And then we have these great guests, and we cook. And he's a fun cook. He and he is his uncle Rio, who is this jovial. Um, uh, very fancily dressed uh, gentleman who wears very jazzy clothes, you know, spats and gold suits and whatever, <laughs> and hats. And uh, anyway, Uncle Rio um, kind of creates all the recipes for Snoop. And my my straight laced team of, of Thomas Joseph and uh, and the rest of the kitchen here they they're they're all like in their vineyard vine. But right, it's fun. I mean, it's fun. I think what's so great about you you you're always reinventing yourself. You're always change is good. That's one of my mottos. Change is good. And when you're through changing, you're through in my book. So uh, and you've done that. You've yeah. changed. You've changed so nicely and evolved. And, um, I've tried, you uh, know. But you do, you do. You're you're uh, you're prettier now than you were when I first met you. By Aww. the way, thank you. Martha. And uh, <laughs> yes, I think it's because I had such a fat face when I was younger, and aging makes you kind of hollow out a little bit. But I had enough excess that I don't look gaunt. <laughs> no, you do I just not look now gaunt. look normal. Right, you look great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I think all of that is uh, is good, and um, and it's been uh, it's been interesting to also challenge myself. I, I mean, it's hard to go on stage with Jamie Foxx and um, Puff Daddy or P. Diddy or whatever his name is now, and uh, Usher and all those guys and and uh, Little Yachty. And it's extraordinary, the talent that comes on our show. Really amazing talent. Yeah, that's fun. And meanwhile, um, as a business person, I'm curious, as a hugely successful woman in business, what do you think are the most important lessons you've learned along the way? Because I don't know. I'm at the point in my career that I want to mentor more young women. And so what would you tell them? Well, it's, um, it's all about having ideas, having energy to grow those ideas into something, um, and having uh, the, the wherewithal, whether it be personal or borrowed or education, to build something of lasting value. And I think just my library of books is of lasting value. Uh, many of the other things that I've done also, I think, uh, will have a, a lasting value. Uh, building a brand is uh, is interesting, but it's unless it's a really good brand and has a wide audience, uh, what the heck? 
I'm not a Bill Gates. I didn't, I didn't invent software. I wish I had. But in the meantime, I utilize what's available. And, and learning how to use what's new and different has made a big difference in my business. What and do you I mean? Think, you well, mean learning evolving? How, you know, when I started my business, the internet was a baby. Uh, and but I had a computer. I learned how to use that computer. I learned how to 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 uh, write and and uh, and use uh, the internet to do research to do all of the things. Now social media is another challenge for all of us. How do we how do we maneuver and and uh, and uh, and negotiate social media to make a difference without wasting a tremendous amount of time doing so? So uh, a lot You're of always people, open to yeah, I'm to, open to new ideas and to and to uh, I was I, I I'm one of the early adopters of the computer, believe it or not. I mean, isn't that crazy? But I am. And uh, 1982, I got my first computer. When did you get your computer? Were you born yet? 1982. I was born. I was born. I was just born. When did I get my first computer? I think it was in the late 80s at some point. I got mine, I think, in the early 90s. Well, when I, oh, no. Yeah, I think in the early or even late 80s when I was a reporter. Broadcasting wasn't using computers. No, we were using electric typewriters. In 1991, we, we were the first magazine to design on an Apple. And uh, that's I, I wanted to. I wanted to make sure that we were doing it in the new and different way. It was no cutting and pasting on big tables. So it's a uh, it's that. So making use of what's available, currently available, is very important to me. My dad used to say that you really had to stay on top of this ever changing world. And yes. I think now more than ever. Oh yes, it's a good thing, as oh, you yeah. would say, Martha. By the way, do you remember when I gave you the Matrix Award? I do. So I, <laughs> you know, I work so hard on this poem, and I have to just repeat the first the couple Award, of verses. Matrix Award, by the way, is for women, women in, in communications. Yes. And Martha yeah. was, of course, so deserving. I remembered I, I was terrified because the dais was full of very impressive women that year. Of course you, and then Whoopi Goldberg, and I think Amy Tan, and Ann Richards, and all these people. But I was, Whoopi went before me, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm screwed. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's so funny and relaxed, and I was a nervous wreck. But I had worked really hard on a poem for Martha, and it went like this. Martha, dear Martha, what should I do? These people have asked me to introduce you. I haven't eaten, I haven't slept. Talk about making a girl feel inept. Anything I can do, you can do better. Dipping a candle, knitting a sweater. A room needs repainting. You'll make it sing with Robin's Egg Blue because it's a good thing. And only a woman who's in your position makes a gingerbread house this air conditioned. Tartartin, marzipan, cocoa van too. Bruschetta pancetta is not all you can do. Your holiday meals are a feast for the eyes. Why can't you use stovetop and Mrs. Smith's pies? <laughs> anyway, it went on and on and like that. Because she did not without read this. reading. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Katie, why do you know this by heart? Well, you know what? I think what because else I, do you know by heart, Katie? <laughs> I worked so hard on this, oh, and it was so, so much fabulous. fun to do, and I was so honored to be asked to present it to you. Um, so that's one of my my favorite poems because I my dad said I write. My dad used to say, I write doggerel, not poetry. Oh. Um, <laughs> By the way, before good. we go, we have a listener voicemail question. We have a listener who called in with a question for Martha. Oh. Okay. Hi, I'm calling from St. Pete, Florida, where I'm reading Martha Stewart living by the light of a lantern because I'm still without power. But I've always been curious about whether or not Martha Stewart has ever done something she shouldn't have done, like stood up on a chair instead of a ladder or <laughs> didn't wear the safety glasses she was supposed to. She's taught us all how to do things right, 
but I'm just wondering about where she's made some goofs that taught her a lesson. <laughs> Be well. Bye-bye. Oh, my gosh. That's a good one. What's your oh. biggest screw-up? <laughs> oh, my biggest screw-up was uh, riding under the branch of a tree on my giant horse and getting knocked off because I thought I could bend backwards under it. That was a stupid thing because then I broke my arm. Ow. Yeah. But, but were there any other things where... Well, less- no. When she says standing on a, ch- a chair instead of a ladder, um, I would never do that. <laughs> because I have taught everyone, I mean, you know, as, a, as an employer of people, you have to teach good lessons. So I'm very strict about having a ladder available in most places so that if you have to reach a high shelf, you step on a ladder. Um, in, in the garden, they must wear their earmuffs when they're using loud machinery. Uh, they have to have safety lessons for chainsaws because I know how. I know how to use chainsaws. I mean, I really do practice good, healthy living. Well, or either that or you're control freak. <laughs> No, no, no. I practice safety good first. Pra- safety good first. practices. Well, no, I'm, I'm not. I mean, I'm not a ner- not nudge about it, but I'm serious about it. But you're so um, you're so good at everything. It, it's, it's and quite I gave annoying. a big gift to the emergency room, both in Westport and in and in Mount Kisco. Just in case. Just in case they're they're always taken care of. But what is the big? Have you ever screwed something up terribly? Please tell me you have. Like, of what is course. the biggest? Thing you messed up. I screwed up my marriage by being a caterer. Really? Probably. Or, or do you, you know, I think about or you. Or not Martha, thinking that I was attractive enough or something like that. I, I see you at some social events. Our, our paths have crossed on a number of occasions. And you never remarried. I have not. Um, I are screwed you, that up. Are you sorry about I that? I could have married the next guy or the next guy, but I didn't. I'm I'm not I'm not unhappy about that. I don't. I, and now when I see some of my friends with their husbands, it's, I'm so happy that. <laughs> <laughs> are they Are they unhappy, and that makes you happy that you're not unhappy, or do you just feel like, ugh, who needs it? No, none of the above. When Mr. Wright comes along, I'll marry him. Are you still open to to of dating? Course. How do you, I'm a how young, does vibrant like, woman. You are, and you're beautiful. How does somebody <laughs> do you go to match? Do you go on Match.com or? I did like that. J-Date? Remember I did that? Oh, you, oh you that's were in, right. You went on yeah, Match.com on the Today Show. For the Today show. show. Can you imagine? The algorithm just doesn't fit me. It doesn't? No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could go to on Farmers.com. Maybe. That might be a match made in heaven, Martha. They could help you with your garden. My farm. I don't. Yeah. I don't want. I want. I want them. I don't want them to help me with my farm. I She's want. Not going to be hoeing on farmers.com. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't resist. Oh, Brian. She All right, we have I'm to funny. talk about your new cookbook yes. before we go yes. because it's your 89th. Is that yep. right, Martha? Martha Stewart. We laugh. Cooker. We laugh because in the intro you said you'd never really used a slow cooker before, but you knew that they were really popular. Yes. And so, they are. Now, isn't this what people used to call a crock pot? Yeah, this is the evolution of a crock pot. And um and it is so good. The food is so delicious. And this book, we we set out with no holds barred and no preconceptions because it's not just dump a bunch of meat and vegetables in a pot and add some water and turn it on and go Like cream of mushroom soup? No, no. (laughs) It isn't any of that. So you can make savory, you can make sweet, you can make cinnamon buns, you can make apple crisp. In fact, you you made apple crisp. We made you an apple crisp from my apples. Gianna, stir some of that. Our producer Gianna is standing next to the- Bring over three- 
the place. For some reason, there's only two with... of everything. I don't think, Brian, I don't think <laughs> no, they no, knew I'm you were coming. Any. No, it's okay. I'm not well, You can any. share it it's with fine. me. No, you I'll share with Kate. It. Yeah. It's fine. Anyway, so you had, did you have fun making this, this uh, cookbook as usual? So much fun. I, I mean, I'm excited because I have to walk a few miles a day back and forth from the kitchens here. This, this is a block long, a long block, 11th to 12th Avenue. But to to eat all this food here, give that to Katie. Oh my God, here. it looks incredible. It's like wow. an apple crisp. And this with is an apple with cranberries. Because I just picked so it's many an apple apples. Cranberry. I'm looking for something to do with and my apples. It smells incredible. Here, Brian. Well, you take a bite then. Take, take a, a taste. Bite. Okay. Okay, that is so good. And it's the apples. See, fresh apples. The apples are delicious. Oh Brian my God. And I can you guys share. have some too. There's a whole crock pot. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's delicious. Right. Did After you put this, cranberries in it yes, also? Yeah, fresh cranberries. Sorry. So, so Katie, basically, this is the best interview we've ever done. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we, this and no one we else went brings to, us well, dessert. Well, we went to Ina's. Um, oh, yeah, Ina she cooked for us too. Made us uh, these really delicious scrambled eggs that With were truffles. cooked so slowly. With truffle butter mm. and a brioche toast. You that was to pretty go good back too. A, a long way. Oh, yeah. When I bought my house in, in um, East Hampton, Ina was, had, still had the Barefoot Contessa shop of, on, um, in town, and uh, we became friends. And I started her TV show. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Did she tell you that? She said that you were a, an she important She forgot man. that I started her television <laughs> No, program. she gave you great Actually, credit. Actually, I think she did mention that, Martha. Yep. She said that you wrote the introduction to her first cookbook, and I you were did. enormously helpful to her. Yep. So we have a lightning round. You okay. Do that? Yeah. But I was going to ask Martha about what Ina said, how oh, she couldn't understand if somebody who didn't cook, why they would watch her show. But Brian and I were saying we love to watch cooking shows because even if we're not cooking whatever's being made, you learn, and they're so relaxing. Yeah. There's something to, they're kind of hypnotic in and a then way. You go, go eat. Yeah, you get hungry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> these apples are delicious. They are delicious. This yes. whole thing is super yummy. Mm-hmm. All right, while mm-hmm. I eat, Brian, why don't you start the lightning round? Okay, with Martha. you're making a simple dinner at home just for you. What are you cooking? Well, because I have so many eggs, um, I will oftentimes make something out of the eggs. But I will also uh, just bake a fresh potato that's just freshly dug. I love baked potatoes. And um, What do you put on it? Um, just, just butter and sour cream or creme fraiche. So good. Um, and lots of chopped herbs. Um, I will um, cook a whole head of cauliflower or broccoli because I love that, too. I'm healthy. Yeah. yeah. And what do you put on the cauliflower or broccoli? Oh, just uh, cook it in salted water, heavily salted water, and uh, maybe a dab of butter. Are there any recipes you hate making? Or uh-huh. anything you hate cooking? No, I won't do it. Why, why bother? Any food you hate? Brains. Mm, sweet breads, eat, right? I won't eat brains. I, I don't. Is that sweet? Wait, sweet breads are no, intestines, they aren't no, they? No, they're, they're thymus glands or something. I don't know. They're nasty. That's all I have to say. <laughs> that and shad roe, which my dad used to love. Oh, I love shad roe. That's so caviar. nasty. It's caviar. I know, but the eggs are so big, and it's in this no, membrane, and it makes eggs. me want to vomit. There's millions of little eggs inside <laughs> the sacs. You're eating the sack of eggs. Mm, yum. Shad okay. roe. What, what's your biggest strength and your biggest weakness? Um, I think my biggest strength is my curiosity, and probably my biggest weakness is also my curiosity. <laughs> Why, because you want to do too many things? <laughs> yeah, probably. 
Um, do you think marijuana should be legal? Um, yeah, I, I, I think so. I think so. I, I, but I worry about, I, but it should be controlled by parents because I just think that, uh, you know, there's too much in Denver. I, I'm understanding that, that school children are, are partaking too much and it's hurting their studies. I don't, I don't like anything that interferes with growing up in a healthy, uh, vibrant um, environment. I agree. I feel like you don't, why do you, I mean, what, I what understand child, mood-altering is, drugs, but, you know, because... What but, does a child but, need that for? I don't understand having sort of this artificial... Why well, worry about all the prescription drugs that yeah. kids are getting in school as well? Oh, like Ritalin they, and yeah. Adderall and all of that. Anyway, we have a listener question oh. that's very quick. This is the longest podcast I ever did. <laughs> My message is for Martha Stewart. What is the best way to cook pork chops? I want to know. Oh. Thank you. The, Sharon, Garland, Texas. Um, well, I think pork chops should be, um, you can bread them if you want, but I just, I just dredge them in, in a salty, peppery flour. And then I just cook them lightly in, um, a little olive oil and a little bit of butter until they are pretty much done. And then I squeeze fresh oranges over them Ooh. and, uh, let the juices sort of caramelize. They're the best. Because it's, it's hard to make a juicy pork chop. Yeah, but that's the, that's the best way to Something cook Something my mom chops, was never able to do, I'll tell you that. Don't broil them. Yeah. Because they get dried out. What's your favorite thing to do with your grandkids? Oh, explore. I mean, these kids are such explorers. So They're how old now, Martha? Five and six, but they are great travelers. And we went to the Galapagos already. We've gone to Botswana. We go to Maine. They're climbing rock walls now. Um, they hike. Are they boys? A girl and a boy. A girl and a boy. And they're, they're very, very fun to be with. And how's your daughter? Alexis is great. She's a very good mother. And these children are um, the result of close attention. Now, we talked about reinventing, so as we bring this to a close, what, what would you like to do, Martha, that you haven't done yet? Like, would you like to be in Martha the Musical? Uh, I mean, <laughs> That's a good idea, actually. You can do like that. Do? that. You actually, can be Katie in the musical. <laughs> no, actually, that would be the a really fun no, musical. Yeah. Um, I want to, uh, yeah, I have, I have some businessy kind of things to Can still do. Can you give do. us a little hint? Well, I've, I've been working on an organizer for, for the homemaker, and I, I'm going to build that. Always fun to see what Martha does next. Martha, and delicious, my yeah, God. Yeah, thank you. This that is was amazing. really yummy. You have to eat if you're going to produce. For sure. Well, yes. that was very delicious. And your new cookbook is called Slow Cooker, and I'm excited to have one. And I, I guess I'm going to have to buy a slow cooker now. Thank you, Martha. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Brian. And I'm glad you came to my office. Thank you for having us. And, uh, and thank you for making apple cider and apple crisp and luck. the cappuccino. A big Thanksgiving thank you to Gianna Palmer and Emily Bina, who produced the original version of this interview with Martha. Emma Morgenstern is our producer, Nora Ritchie is the associate producer, and Jared O'Connell is our audio engineer. Now, I don't have quite the staff that Martha has, but <laughs> I do have a lot of great people I work with, including Beth DeMoz, my tireless assistant, and Julia Lewis, who helps me make my social media much more entertaining. Jared Arnold composed our theme music. I'm on Twitter at GoldsmithB. And Katie is everywhere, <laughs> everywhere on the social media stratosphere <laughs> as Katie Couric. If you have questions or comments for us, please call and leave us a voicemail. The number is 
1-800-273-4637. We'll be back next week with a very exciting episode. Hugh Jackman, come to mama. Matt Bai and Jay Carson, two of my other favorite people. They'll all be talking about their new movie. Did that sound sincere? Yeah, very sincere. I do really like Matt and Jay. I'm not kidding. All kidding aside, I think they're both great and super smart. But they're all going to be here to talk about this new movie called The Front Runner. And Brian, as you know, this in many ways illustrates the moment when the media decided that it was fair game to talk about the personal lives of presidential candidates. And this candidate, of course, was Senator Gary Hart back in 1987. We hope you listen. We really enjoyed talking to the three of them. Yeah, Katie, they were great. So we'll talk to you all next time and hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Stitcher. What else is going on, Bri? Um, do a little words with friends, get me warmed up. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Deadbeats. It's Gabby. Gabby Dunn, host of Bad With Money. I had the Bad With Money book come out in January. I'm super stoked for season four. This season, we're going back to our roots, and I'm having long conversations with amazing people and getting the big picture about money and the economy. Do you like intersectional, queer, social justice-based money podcasts? This is the only one, so get into it. Did you earn it? Do you deserve to be like a billionaire when somebody who's working as a janitor or working in Walmart or, or you know, teacher. Working, or a teacher? Yeah, certainly. Or a teacher who may be working just as many hours as you, maybe just as smart as you. Like, is does that make it okay that you have so much? I get paid once a month. So my, my checking account's huge. It's like a tidal wave comes in. And then on the second, it's empty again. Oh my God, <laughs> you're speaking my language. Bad With Money is back now for season four. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.